In all honesty, are we not a foreigner in this land? Are we not former idolaters before Jesus Christ came in and changed our lives? Are we like that widow who has nothing to offer anybody apart from what Jesus Christ has done in and through us? You see, Ruth, like every one of us, was a recipient of that undeserved grace. And grace is the undeserved favor of God. Just for a moment this morning, I want us to jump around just a little bit. But I want you to keep your finger there in Ruth chapter 2 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. And what a reminder we see here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. I want you to get this mind, this picture in your mind just for a moment, that we're trespassed. I have explained it before, but I want you to hear it again. As a deer hunter, there was one sign I absolutely hated growing up. It was the no trespassing sign. And everybody knows that the big deer are across that line in that other field that has a post on it that says you can't go there. And we all know that there are certain consequences that we have to receive if we are caught on the other side of that line. I hated that sign. In fact, for many years, in fact, for you know, 10 years, uh, I had opportunity to go hunting in some prime land in Indiana. And I can remember opening day seeing deer after deer pass because I was going to take a decent one. I didn't care about the antlers, but I wanted a sizable deer. That was meat in the freezer. But even though I had that access to all that land, I still was of the mindset that on the other side of that creek, which is the other farmer's land, there are even more deer that are even bigger and better over there. But if the goal across was to trespass, and I didn't want to get caught over there. You see, God's Word reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 4 and 5, especially verse 5, says, Even though you were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. What does that mean? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we were born into this world as dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. We were born on the wrong side of the line, so to speak. We are already, it wasn't like we made a decision to cross the line. We were born on the wrong side of the line in our sin. Every one of us. We are born that way. And even though we were born there, apart from God, He still offers His salvation to us. Then down in verse 7, He says, So that in the coming ages, He might display the immeasurable riches of what? His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let that soak in for a moment. We are all recipients of undeserved grace. That's what's so awesome about this story. One of the aspects of this story is that Ruth didn't deserve it. Was she a good person? Probably. Did she deserve it as far as her characteristics for what she had done for Naomi? Probably, from a human perspective. But in reality, she was a foreigner, a former idolater, a widow who had nothing to offer. Just like you and I. 
But I want you to notice in today's text several principles of grace demonstrated between Boaz, who is really illustrative of Jesus Christ, and Ruth, who is really illustrative of all of us who know Jesus Christ, the believer. So if you would, once again, let's turn back to the book of Ruth. And I want to read verses, chapter 2, verses 14 through the end. It says, At mealtime, Boaz told her, Come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvesters, and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, Let her even gather grain among all the bundles, and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her, and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went to town, where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Then she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Then her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today, and where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the men she had worked with and said, The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living of the dead or the dead. Naomi continued, The man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. But the Moabitess said, He also told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, My daughter, it is good for you to work with his, with his female servants, so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain into the barley, and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Once again, notice several principles of grace demonstrated between Ruth and Boaz. First of all, grace takes the initiative and acts first. Grace takes the initiative and acts first. In verses 8 and 9, we see this very clearly. So then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, to my, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field, and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. It was Boaz who reached out to Ruth. Boaz took the initiative to speak to her first. And realize this, that Boaz had no obligation to act in any way, but he did. We said very clearly last week that there were certain laws that were there instituted to protect those who were foreigners and widows. But obviously, as a Moabitess, he didn't have to honor that one. But he chose to. He chose to reach out to her. But I find it also amazing that God, in similar fashion, reaches out to man. I just want to read this verse in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2. It says, Long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. And God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. He still speaks to us. Sometimes we have the mindset that No, God's not there. He's not speaking. He still is speaking. In fact, none of us would be here if He wasn't speaking. God's Word reminds us, it says, no man comes unto the Father except He what? He draw Him. It's God who reaches down and does a work in our heart, who draws us to Himself. That's what grace does. 
God, in His grace, reaches out to man. Because there is no way on earth that man, apart from God, could reach out to Him. God does the initiating work of grace. Number two, grace leaves its recipient amazed. I want you to think about that for a moment. Grace leaves its recipient amazed. I want you to see this in verse 10. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, Why are you so kind to notice me, though I am a foreigner? I mean, think about that for a moment. She's that foreigner by her own admission. She's in a land that is not hers, in a field that does not belong to her. And she looks up to Boaz and says, Why? If you can figure out the answer to that question, let me know. Why does God, in His mercy, and once again in His grace, reach down to us lowly sinners who have nothing to offer back to Him and offer us salvation? We are undeserving. As I say often, unworthy yet made worthy. Only because of Jesus Christ's saving grace. Why would He do that? When we consider our own sinfulness, we might have the same question. Why is God gracious to me? Notice the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Uh, and turn your Bibles just for a moment to a couple of passages. first one is in 1 Timothy. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And notice with me verse 15. It says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them, he says. You ever feel that way? Can you imagine being Paul just for a moment? He's on the road and uh, says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why do you kick against the pricks? Why do, why do you do this? Why are you persecuting my people? You don't think for a moment that Paul didn't think he was unworthy? I think Paul realized it. He says, I'm the worst of them. Look at the back, back verse 13, just a couple verses back. He says, one who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. He said, that was my testimony. I was a terrible person. Turn over to, back a few chapters or a few books to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But notice this. But by God's grace I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. Therefore, whether it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. God's grace leaves its recipients amazed. Why would God, in His mercy and His grace, reach down to me? That boggles my mind. Is it yours? Do we think about how gracious God really is? Ephesians. There's so many verses on grace, we don't have time to look at them all. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 says this, This grace was given to me, the least of all saints, 
to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah. And he goes on, shares more insight. This grace it left him amazed. If we understand who Jesus Christ is, what God has allowed Jesus to do in our lives, we ought to be speechless. We ought to stand amazed. And I think that was the picture here for Ruth for a moment. As Boaz is extending grace down to her, Jesus stood there in amazement and says, Why? You haven't apparently done this to other people, but... Number three. Grace serves those unworthy of its benefit. Grace serves those unworthy of its benefits. And here we see in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 2. My Lord, she said, you have been so kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I am not like one of your female servants. And at mealtime, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvesters and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. So Boaz invites Ruth to eat with the harvesters. It serves those unworthy of its benefit. Ruth understood who she was. She says, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of your regular harvesters. And Boaz, at least for a moment, takes the time to serve a lowly peasant. What an awesome demonstration of this grace. A wealthy man meeting the needs of a poor widow. That's grace. Serving those unworthy of its benefit. I love what John Stott says about this. Grace is love that comes and stoops and rescues. That's so true. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. But once again, isn't this what God does? It serves those unworthy of its benefit. Um, a couple of verses here that stand out to me regarding this. In Psalm chapter 40, and verse 17. So I'm afflicted and needy. The Lord thinks of me. You are my helper, my deliverer, my God. Do not delay. He says, I am poor and needy, yet He thinks on me. Isn't that who God is? And in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, He reminds us through the words, casting all your care upon me as I care for you. little personal translation there. But isn't that who God is? Casting all of our care upon Him because He cares for us? I think Ruth learned to depend on God and God through Boaz was meeting the need. Number four. Grace blesses because it can. Grace blesses because it can. It's not because I have to. But because I get to. You see this in verses 15 and 16. It says, when she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles. And don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. Boaz commands his servants to literally leave some of the wheat in Ruth's past so she'll gather plenty. In other words, the grace is never going to run out. 
I mean, here he is, once again, a selfless, wealthy man who is telling his servants, don't gather everything. I realize as you go, you're bundling it, you're making piles as you go, and the harvesters come by, but I want you to deliberately leave some of them laying out so as Ruth comes behind you, she'll have an extra amount to pick up. I don't want to just give her the leftovers. Let me just jump on that for a moment. How often do we give God the leftovers? How often do we give God the leftovers? We don't give Him the best. We give Him the leftover. We do it with our time. We do it with our talents. We do it with our treasures. We give Him the leftovers. And Boaz says, don't just give her the leftovers. In His grace to Ruth, he said, I want you to have some of the good stuff. Isn't that what God does for us? He gives us the good stuff. He doesn't always make us get the leftovers. What should we do for Him? I love that. Again, Ruth doesn't know Boaz's instructions to his servants. She doesn't know that Boaz has commanded his harvesters to leave some of it back put some of it in her path. She doesn't know that. But she's blessed nonetheless. The thought that came to my mind through this thought process was, I wonder how often we just go along and don't even consider the fact that God is continuously bestowing His, bestowing His grace upon us. Ruth is just busily going along, picking up the good stuff. She doesn't know that Boaz has commanded it to be left there. And just like us, we go along. We're benefits of God's grace. Not even thinking about the fact that God is continuously bestowing it on us. Romans chapter 5. I just want to read this passage real quickly. Verse 20 says, The law came along to multiply the trespass. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is that not God giving us His daily grace? Where sin is present, grace much more abounds. Is that not you and I? In our sinfulness? In our wrongdoing, He understands who we are and continuously gives us grace even though we don't even think about it. That's the good stuff. And then I think there's one more. Number five, grace received by one life overflows its grace to another life. Grace received by one life overflows its grace to another life. Look at verses 17 and following. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered. It was about 26 quarts of barley. And then she went and hid it and put it all away for herself so that she could enjoy it all by herself. Is that what it says? Selfless. She picked up the grain and went into the town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. 
Then she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Then her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today and where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. And so on. She didn't hog it for herself. She gave it to Naomi. Grace received by one life overflows its grace to her. How dare we not extend grace to those when we've been given so much grace ourselves? Think about that. God has been so gracious to us, why do we hog it as though it's just for us? But how dare someone do that to me? How dare that person go there? How dare that person offend me in this way? Listen, if we all got what we deserve, none of us would receive grace. But when we understand what God has done, when we've received that grace, it ought to overflow in extending that grace to others. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and as ourselves, as your slaves because of Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Him. We're, we're about pointing others to Him. I want us to think for just a few moments before we close this morning. Really, when you think about this picture, Ruth was in the shadow of Boaz. Under his wings, so to speak. He reached out, protected her, extended grace. And when you think about this season of gathering the harvest, it wasn't just for a day or two or three or a week. We're told that it was approximately seven to eight weeks that they would go out and gather. For seven or eight weeks, day after day after day, they would go out. And day after day, Ruth was the recipient of Boaz's grace. Day after day, it's as if she's underneath the shadow of Boaz, underneath the wings of Boaz. That's exactly what Jesus Christ does for us. I want you to just notice these several verses in the book of Psalms. I'm going to jump around just for a moment. Psalm chapter 36, verse 7. It says, God, your faithful love is so valuable that people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Want refuge? Where do you find it? Where do you find that security? Where do you find that safety net? Under the wings of the Almighty. Psalm chapter 57. In verse 1. Says, be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. That's where Ruth was hanging out. Underneath Boaz's wings, so to speak. That's what God does. He provides that safety, that shelter for us. In chapter 61, verse 4 I will live in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter of your wings. And it has that word sila, which basically means to stop, think about that, ponder it, pray over that. In Psalm 91, 
verse 4. It says, He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. Then one more back in chapter 17. Verses 7 and 8. It says, display the wonders of your faithful love, Savior, of all who seek refuge from those who rebel against your right hand. Protect me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Want safety? Want protection? Want refuge? You're going to have to get close to the Savior. Stay close under His wings. Boaz was the Ruth, a provider. A person who gave shelter a person who offered security to have the needs met. In fact, in Psalm chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 says, Yahweh, my God, I seek refuge in You. Save me from all my pursuers and rescue me or they will tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with no one to rescue why? There's the dependence on the one who can provide it, the security. And one more in Psalm chapter 57. Verse 1 says, Be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I will call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. God sends His faithful love and truth. I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down with those who devour their men, their teeth, their spears, and arrows. Their tongue are sharp swords. But there's no fear because I'm taking refuge in God. When we are recipients of God's grace, there is safety there. There is refuge there. Because we know that He will protect, He will provide What a picture of what grace does in the life of those who find it in Jesus Christ. Over and over, grace takes the initiative. God took the initiative. Grace leaves its recipients amazed. We ought to be amazed. Grace serves those unworthy. That's you and I. We're unworthy. There's nothing good in us. Grace blesses because it can. It just does it over and over. He's the author of it. And grace received by one life overflows its grace to another. Are we doing that? I hope that we are. God has just been so good to us. Think about that. Where would any of us be a part of God's grace? Still, sinners in need of a Savior, but with no hope. Destitute, bound for hell. But God who is rich in His mercy and grace. What a picture. And we're going to find through this picture of Boaz, who is really a picture of Jesus Christ, who is extending grace to Ruth, who is a picture of every believer, that from him comes the line of David who leads to the line of Jesus Christ. What an awesome story. A story that's not yet finished. Just like your story and mine is not yet finished. What is God doing in your life? What are you doing with the grace that has been extended to you? Trust you are praising God for it, rejoicing in it, and extending it to others.
in its various forms. Let's pray.